0: So I don't know if you've ever heard of, uh, heard of the yips yep. um, in baseball. You got Chuck Knobloch, you got Rick Ankeel. Uh-huh. Uh, plenty of guys that, mm-hmm. that you can go down the line yeah. and they've had the yips. I mean, there's guys that have made it back to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Matzik just last year won a World Series mm-hmm. and came back from it. Um, but it is, it is something that I suffered from mm-hmm. at Fullerton. Mm-hmm. I got to the point that, and and based on these, these things, I, I was probably a 10 out of 10 case. I was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't throw a baseball 20 feet to save my life. Uh, I throw it straight into the ground, straight overheads. It was, it was kind of, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. And it just came on after one throw, you know, I was throwing in the middle of an inner squad game, throwing the ball back to a pitcher and it just like, that that easy task mm-hmm. just left my body. It was yeah. it was gone. So it it became this like mental fight. Yeah, and that's when baseball started becoming this like it was a fight every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I I don't know if I can sit here and talk about a, another podcast on here, but I just got done oh, listening yeah, of listening to Losing Control. Okay, um, it's a podcast. It's from Sports Illustrated, and it's all about Yips,
1: yeah,
0: and you know it goes into the twisties with gymnasts and all that, Uh and yeah, you just you just kind of lose it. It's something I've done every day of my life for the past five or six years, Mm -hmm. and I can't do it anymore.
2: Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind: how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. For any of my new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing human performance. And for all my returning listeners out there, thank you again for joining in for this episode. And if you haven't checked out the previous library of past episodes, go check them out. There's a lot of great solo topics that I've covered. Everything dealing from injury prevention, rehab topics, strength and conditioning, of course, performance training, and even sports nutrition strategies as well. There have also been a lot of great guest interviews where they have shared their stories and experiences. A lot of gems that we can take away that will really help us along our journey. Aside from this podcast, go check out a lot more content on all of my social media channels. You can find me at HNL Movement. And I've also been putting up YouTube video highlight clips of these guest interviews so you can see some of the video content that matches the audio that you're listening to. You can check that out on my YouTube channel. Just search for HNL Movement. Like, subscribe, follow me on all my social media channels. And if you really like what you hear, please share the content as well. Let's jump into today's episode, and I have a very exciting guest. Cody Collins came to join me on the podcast. It was exciting to talk to him, and he has an extensive training background as he trained for baseball from middle school, high school, and even college. And he shares so many things about his journey. And you really get to see all of the hard work, the obstacles, the great times that someone goes through when they're trying to be the best that they can be and trying to improve and play at the next level. He also shares a lot about injuries and how he's overcome that and even how a lot of his past training experiences helps him today as he likes to be very active and fit, but also for his profession as a firefighter. There's so many great things, I don't want to spoil anything, and I really enjoyed talking to him about his entire journey, everything about training, injuries, and what he's doing to this day. So without saying anything more, let's jump into today's episode and enjoy this one. Welcome back everyone to the h and Movement Podcast. I'm very excited about this episode because this person has a lot of experience, not only in sports, playing baseball, but training in so many different ways through the years. And in his current position as a firefighter, he does a lot of training to stay fit and stay you know, in shape just for the job. But we're going to talk about a lot of great things, everything from sports, injuries, and just training in general. So today I have Cody Collins with me, joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Cody.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, so let's jump straight into this. This is going to be a great one. Let's start by just talking about your childhood and what that was like growing up and how fitness or sports came into play and was that something that kind of led all the way to adult life?
0: Uh yeah, I mean, so my dad, he was uh, he was very very strict with me. Okay. Uh, I have I have two other siblings and I was the one that was had the the sports gene, the, the athleticism, the, the baseball gene. And he was a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of just ran with that. And basically from a young age, I mean, from 10 years old up until now, I've been working out. Uh, I had, he ended up getting me a, a personal trainer at the 24 hour fitness in Las Vegas where I grew up um, at 12 years old. And this guy was an Olympic bobsledder. Um, he actually went with the, the Olympic team and helped train the Olympic team, uh, when they went to Beijing and I actually helped him get there. I wrote him a letter of recommendation to the, the, okay. our team USA to get there. Um, so I, I, started out at a young age, I mean, power, power lifting, uh, Olympic lifting. I mean, I was doing cleans and squats and snatches at 12 years old, um, and doing, significant amounts of weight <laughs> to where he, he was like, Hey, maybe we should think about getting him into some, some yeah. uh And my dad was like, no, he's a baseball player. That's what he's going to do. This is all for baseball. Uh, so that was kind of ingrained in me from the very beginning. And it, it kind of carried over to the baseball field. I, I didn't just train in the, the weight room. Uh, I would go to baseball practice after school And then I would stay late I'd hit baseballs off a tee for hours. Uh, My dad would throw to me for hours and then I'd go to go to the gym after that. Uh, And then for me, it didn't even end there. I mean, I would go home and stretch afterwards or I was a catcher. So, and our rooms were carpeted. So this is kind of something that he actually would get mad at me, but our rooms were carpeted. So I would put my, my, uh, shin guards i had an extra pair underneath my bed well uh-huh. so i would go put those on at like 9 nine thirty at night and i would work on my my skills in my room so i'd work <laughs> on blocking and and just little things that i was just kind of going through and and living in a two-story home you'd hear the the banging all the time and you would hear my dad in the other room hey stop so <laughs> he he, kind of realized after a while that he had raised a, a monster that there was only one thing that was going to make me happy. And that was always getting better. And now I'm in my thirties and I look back and I'm like, man, I, I really beat myself up. I, my body is, is now feeling it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm now feeling it every day from putting myself through just hours and hours of training. Uh-huh. Um, That's super interesting.
2: Yeah, that's super interesting to hear. I mean, just how early you started all of this and it was just innately part of you, right? That you just had this desire, like it was your passion and you just wanted to keep going, right? Are you the youngest, oldest, middle child out of your siblings? Uh, Middle child. Middle child. Got it. So you kind of mentioned that your dad kind of had this relationship with you because you guys were both baseball guys, right? Mm -hmm. But thinking back, so... When you started doing the strength and conditioning aspect and you still had practices and all of these other things, right? What was it like for you as a kid, I guess, like what made you develop this interest? Because that's kind of unusual for, you know, a 12 year old or younger.
0: Uh, I mean, so, so failure, I mean, I think failure and the, 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 the fear of Mm -hmm. failing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that has been what has driven me to Mm -hmm. this day. Um, so when I, when I was 10, wait, we moved to Vegas when I was like eight, we moved from Oregon and Oregon is a place I couldn't play baseball year round. I couldn't be active year round. Um, so that's one of the reasons we moved to Vegas was so that all of us could be, we could do things year round, all of the kids. And when I first moved to Vegas, I made a, an all-star team. And I only made the all-star team because because of, a, I guess, a rule formality. Okay. Um, I, I, I look back and I probably wasn't good enough to make the all-star team, but I made it because of this formality. So I was the last guy on that team. I was the last guy on the bench. And this is literally where you get your, what, your, your one inning or your two innings and three yep. or, two, or one at bat or something. Mm-hmm. And that was me. I mean, we had 13 guys on the team. I was 13 and they just snuck me in into the lineup wow. every, every day. So <laughs> for me, I didn't, I didn't like that feeling.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, I didn't like that feeling of not being the guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that feeling of, you know, like I really didn't do much yeah. and I'm not going to be put in positions to do much. <laughs> so I think that was when I was 11. Okay. So when I was 12, I actually, uh, uh Played Little League. I didn't play for All Stars, but I was one of the best players in the in the league that year. Okay, Um, and it just that's what drove me. I I did not like that that feeling of being possibly being left out Mm -hmm. and then being the last guy on that that bench, the last guy on that team. Uh, So that's where all of the the fire has started. And I, I, you Uh know, Nisa might have told you, but. I, I kind of carry a little chip on my shoulder with everything I do. I I think people are always doubting me. Um, and that's, that's what drives me. I mean, even if they aren't doubting me, um, I like to think that they are because you're going to doubt what I'm going to do or how I'm going to show up. Or, I mean, uh, I'm just going to make sure that once you see me and once you see things play out, there's going to be no doubt. Yes. Um, so that's where it started. That was the fire, man. That was, that was where the desire began. I, and I mean, it was, it was really driven by my dad. Um, he pushed me. And I mean, he pushed me really hard. Yes. Uh, I appreciate it. And I always look back and it's, it, you know, the things that he, he did for me, mm-hmm. I, I, I was very fortunate to have that push. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that was it, man. That's fire every day. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And sometimes it just
2: takes, you know, one little, well, I guess it was over a season, right? But one Mm -hmm. event, right, that really helps you to figure out, like, you know, how am I going to continue if I'm going to do this? Or, you know, am I going to go a different direction? So I think those crossroads or those adversity times, hard times during your life that really helps to shape you. And it's carried over, you know, all the way to this day, right? I didn't mention earlier because I've kind of uh, slipped my mind, but yes. So everyone needs to check out Anissa's episode because, you know, I'll, I'll save you a little bit, but Anisa's is uh, your better half, right? So, yes. you know, I've worked with Anissa and that's how we got connected, but there's so many great things I think that you have along your journey. And then both of you guys, you guys train so intensely all the time, which is a good thing because you stay in shape, right? You take care of your body and all of that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a in a second. But before we yeah. get to that, let's talk about after those little league years. So when you started to play high school, right? What was that experience like? And did you still have that aspirations? Like, did you start to think, I think I can play baseball beyond high school. Like I can compete at higher levels.
0: Yeah. So I, I knew it. I mean, my, my rise and me becoming solid to, a, a, I mean, I'd say a star baseball player. I don't, I don't like to consider it that, but um, was pretty meteoric. I mean, it was age 12, 13. I was like, I mean, I was playing on these high school fields and hitting balls. I mean, further than yes. guys that are, have been in high school for three years. And I mean, I was a small guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm only five, eight and, you know, buck 80. Now I was five, six and maybe like a buck 60 then. And I was just like, I mean, it was fun. It was, I was strong. I was, you know, things were, were looking up. Um, And then I was a freshman in high school and I was the starting catcher as a freshman um, on my high school baseball team and started catching, all four years. Okay. Uh, and I would either hit third, fourth or fifth in the lineup. So, I mean, I was always, I mean, I was always in the middle of things. Yes. Uh, I was always, I was that guy that I wanted to be. I was the one that was counted on I knew I was going to play every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew at that point, I'm like, I, I have a, uh, future in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really college was my, my route that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to go play professional baseball.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now I look back and there's part of me that I wish I would have been more open to that. Mm. But I mean, when scouts would talk to me my junior and senior year, it was, you know what? I'm signed to, to play at Cal state Fullerton. Uh-huh. That was a dream school for me. Um, I mean, you look at like notebooks that I had when I was a kid yeah um, 12 years old on, uh, hats, like everything was Fullerton. Everything was, I I'm going to be a Titan. So when I signed with them, that I was good. I was very happy with, with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would tell scouts, like, you're going to have to pay me a lot of money, (laughs) um, probably more than I'm worth to get me out of that commitment. Mm -hmm. And that just, I mean, scouts are automatically going to be uh, turned off by that because there's another guy that's just like me, um, yes. and better than me. That's, you know, it's all the way it's all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, they can go find another one of me. No problem. Yes. Uh, for much cheaper, somebody that wants to play for professional baseball right away.
2: Yes. Um, so when you think about that too, um, just through high school and everything, we're gonna kind of intersperse the strength and conditioning aspect because you've trained yeah. in so many different ways. So, yeah. you know, after you kind of got out of little league, you know, freshman to senior year in high school, how did your strength and conditioning change or complement the baseball a little bit more? What kinds of training did this entail? What were you basically doing?
0: Um, so I I really wish I had more. I got away from the personal trainer. I actually went to another personal trainer who was more into the balance and we, we rarely would lifted weights. It was a lot of body weight. His thought process was basically like, if you can't lift your own weight, then there's no, you have no business putting any kind of weights in your hands. And if you can't lift your own weight, you know, under balance or under distress, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have any weights in your hands. And so it it, it taught me, balance. I mean, I was standing on medicine balls and doing squats on top of these medicine balls. And I mean, just really interesting, interesting things. I was doing kneeling on the exercise ball, like Mm -hmm. the kneeling on them. And he would just hit, he'd hit me in the the stomach with a PVC pipe. This was, this was (laughs) a 24 hour fitness too. Um, And you know, my dad was like, whatever, like go like have fun with them. This is what we're looking for. Uh, and I, I really appreciate that because now to this day, I think that helped me understand my body and mm-hmm. understand just body uh, fundamentals, body mechanics, yep. uh, body awareness. Yes. And like what all, where all my stuff is at, you know, like, yeah. I mean, now to this day, it, it has made me more athletic yep. um, doing that, that type of training. Um, but when I got out of that, It just became like a hodgepodge of everything. Okay. Uh, it was a lot of weightlifting. So squatting, I rarely deadlifted. I still to this day do not like to deadlift. Uh I don't know why, but, but I was squatting as a 14, 15, 16 year old. I was squatting 425, 430 pounds at the the 24 hour fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing it like five to 10 times. So I was like. I had no, no real guidance at that point. Um, I was, I was let go and I'd go through my, my regular workouts of, you know, five sets of this, five sets of that. Um, but I was, I I had an idea of how to do these things properly. Got it. So, I mean, they, they were happening just, it was all my training. Yes. Um, and I think, I think back and, probably should have had more, more guidance, more of a plan. Uh, and that's where, you know, now that I've done CrossFit, I look back and I wish I would have, have been doing CrossFit at that time, because that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Something quick, something that I was going to get a good workout in. I was going to lift weights. I was going to get stronger. Yep. Um, because all I wanted to do, I wanted to be on the field. Mm-hmm. I didn't like, the the working out at that point was just like, man, I'm, I'm just going to get this done. I'm going to get it over with. I didn't run very much. I wish I did that too, but yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of weightlifting and yeah, getting big. My dad saw was you're not going to be tall. So you have to be wide. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm
2: sure that, um, just you know sometimes that trial and error especially when we're young we look back and of course you get more knowledge and experience and you're like oh we wish we should have done all that but still yeah yeah, sometimes just that experimentation trial and error that does it did provide some benefit but it does help you learn a little bit more when you start to do more of the things later on right I Mm -hmm. didn't ask you yet but were you at this time I'm assuming you were playing baseball pretty much year-round or if not just baseball was your sport. Did you play any other sports growing up? Like even just trying it out and things like that.
0: Um, I think the last sport I played was when I was seven years old, I played another sport. Um, and it was like soccer and basketball. Okay. Um, never really was took, I mean, never took a liking to them. Uh, Uh, and that was another, like my dad was very, uh, very strict in you know what you're you're going to make your name in baseball if mm-hmm. you make your name in anything you're wow. not going to be a football player you're not going to be big enough to be one you're not going to be fast enough to be a football player you know you're not agile enough to be a soccer player you're not going to be tall enough to be a basketball player yeah. i i wish i did some wrestling uh they tried getting me out on the wrestling team when i was when i was young okay. uh, but again it was my dad's like no, you're going to hurt yourself. Like your future is baseball. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he, he kind of, in a way it became sheltering. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm going to learn from all that when, when that day that I have kids, uh, and let, let them explore, find out something else that they they might enjoy. Uh, because I think the playing baseball year round, it kind of wore on me Mm -hmm. and it became more of a, a, after a while at the end of my career, it just felt like a job mm-hmm. um, rather than a game. Like a, I forgot that I'm going out there playing a game every day. Uh-huh. Uh, so if I took some time off and it, I know that's, that's kind of how it is here in Hawaii. And that's one thing I I can appreciate here mm-hmm. is that kids play other sports and they play other sports all year round. And then basically by their junior senior year, that's when they're like, okay, this is where, where I'm going to make my name Where That was me when I was 13. Uh-huh. I was like, Nope. 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 I'm not going to play football. Even though I, 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 even my baseball coach was like, he, he was the PE coach. I got it. He'd, see me, he'd see me on the flag football field and he's like, why aren't you playing football? <laughs> yeah. Because I was, I was just all over the place. I was, and that wasn't really who I was on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could be myself more on a football field, but I mean, it all kind of worked out and I got yeah. scholarships and all that. Yes. But yeah. Baseball was it, man. That was it. I didn't venture into anything else.
2: Got it. So obviously you had a very successful high school career. And when did you actually sign with Fullerton? Was that like your junior year? Uh,
0: so junior, okay. junior summer. Okay. Um, going into, going into my senior year or okay. senior fall, actually. Okay. Um, during the fall season, I was playing with the scout team and, and that's when I eventually signed with Cal State Fullerton.
2: Got it. So what was that transition like, I guess, because you were already playing a lot of baseball and I'm assuming that you were playing, you know, outside of school, you were playing with high level competitive people that were probably going to play in college too. So what was Mm -hmm. that transition like coming from high school, all of your training, right? Everything that you're doing, all the baseball skills, nothing to take away from your high school years, but how was that transition for you when you got to college?
0: The transition was tough. Uh I mean, it it was tough. And you know, being a big fish in a small pond, mm-hmm. being the guy. Mm-hmm. And then you go to to Fullerton, which is a baseball school. I mean, it's baseball through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no football there. There's baseball. And that's what all the people come out to. Mm-hmm. And now you're just, you're just a you know, little fish in a big pond. Mm-hmm. And now you're having to learn to be humble. And the way you were in high school, that type A, like, mm-hmm. yeah, not, not necessarily macho, man, but type A, like, I mean, and, and hard nosed and like yeah. kind of in your face kind of guy. Um, it's not going to fly there. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the senior, the seniors there are, they're adults, mm-hmm. you know, the seniors in college are adults. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I'm coming in, I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm still, I'm still a child at that point.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, these guys are mean, I was just like, Whoa, okay, this isn't this isn't high school anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Where freshman to senior, you, you kind of have the same, same mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the same, sometimes the same maturity level mm-hmm. um, among those those four years where yeah, these guys were already looking into jobs. And I mean, there were it was it was a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up redshirting that year. Okay. Uh, had a little bit of a shoulder injury. Okay. Uh, I got into uh, a home plate collision in one of our fall games, okay. and uh, I popped my shoulder out and popped it back in, and it just it just felt felt weird like there was there's some crepitus in there. It was just like yeah. moving around, um, yeah. and it just didn't feel right. So we got it looked at. I ended up having a torn rotator cuff and a torn. Labrum in my shoulder, uh, and instead of getting it operated on, I, I just uh, rehabbed for four, six, four to six months, and came back. and um, By that time, I was I was kind of ready to to leave Fullerton, um, and that's a that's another story. I mean, that's, that's that, I, that I can branch off. And,
2: yeah. uh, um, before we get into that, I mean, I'm glad that you shared that because there's so many outside circumstances or influences outside of sports, right? Especially mm-hmm. for college athletics. I think it's a whole nother level when it comes to just eyes on you, media attention, other external things, right? You're, you're an athlete, but you're also a student um, too, which you know kind of doubles your load as to what you got to deal with throughout the day. So that's a good message for athletes too, because it's not always just what you're doing on the field or court. There's a lot of other things that – you know, those experiences, sometimes you can't be fully prepared for unless you actually start there. Right. And then you go yeah. through some of these experiences. That's interesting about the, you know, kind of they red shirted you. And then unfortunately you sustained that shoulder injury, but that is your, I'm assuming since you pointed to your right side, that's your throwing shoulder, right?
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: So you took that collision, your shoulder might have subluxed a little bit or something because yeah, it's yeah. for your labrum, probably partial rotator cuff tear so they could you know, tell you just to rehab and try to get strong again. Mm-hmm. Explain that process real briefly. Like, what was it like after your rehab? Did you feel like you had the same velocity on the ball? Did you feel like you could throw? What was that experience like for you coming back from an injury like that?
0: Oh, I was, I was better. Okay. Uh, I, I worked and that's where I was able to focus on, on something and focus on that without one thing. It kind of took my mind off of being this like, this little fish. Um, and I, that was one thing I took pride in was my shoulder and I did a lot of shoulder work. There was a chiropractor that I had done some work with my senior year Mm -hmm. and going into my freshman year of college. Um, he was a chiropractor, but he, he focused a lot on the, the scapulas and the upper back and, and strengthening that. Mm-hmm. To, to keep the shoulder you know kind of sh- from from taking a lot of the brunt of throwing a baseball mm-hmm. um, and he developed this this contraption called the box and it had it had uh, bands coming from each side of it okay. you cross the bands and you do your work and you uh-huh. know all of the the rotator cuff stuff uh-huh. um, so i I went to him after this this shoulder injury mm-hmm. and we we just rehabbed like crazy and then instead instead of just focusing on the shoulder he looked at my entire body and my hips and everything else and realized okay we can we can work on these other things so i started doing a little bit of pilates his wife had a pilates studio in there um and my goal was to try to do this like be able to do the splits and I i never got completely there but i was pretty close yes um and I, I, those were the things like just, just little muscles instead of, and that's where I go back to that training in high school where I was, yeah. I was just lifting big, lifting big weights. I was trying to get big. I was trying to get strong. Huh. Um, this was more, let's get everything mm-hmm. tight. Let's get the, the shoulder back in, you know, in place. Let's get, let's get it going yeah. again. And when I started throwing a baseball again, um, came back, super strong. I I mean, I was, you know, I went and played junior college after that for a year and uh, before the next injury happened, I, I was playing the best baseball of my life. That is
2: great to hear. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. That's so great to hear. And then that's exactly, I mean, you've heard from Anissa, but that's kind of my philosophy too, is that you got to look at the whole body and work on all of the things that is going to help you do whatever the task is. And in your case, (laughs) right, is being a catcher, throwing the ball. So all of that is excellent to hear. And that probably gave you a lot more experience that, Kind of added to your exercise, strength, and conditioning knowledge, and kind of what you're doing today, right? So, yeah. briefly talk about that process. Coming back, I'm glad to hear the shoulder was really good, and you were playing some of the best baseball. Talk a little bit about whatever you want to share about that transfer process and what you were looking like. Times, you know, we're, we might be dating ourselves a little bit. You're younger than me, though, but never had the transfer portal, never had all of this stuff that they do now. So, what was that process like for you? And was that something that you felt was gonna help to get you in the right direction as far as baseball and life? Yeah.
0: Um, so I mean, I'd like to backtrack just a, a little the, bit on like, so Bullerton was my was my dream. And and this is kind of how and I'm not afraid to talk about this now. I mean, and, and I wasn't. Um, and this is where I talk about, you know, that that mental mental side of the things. Yes. Um, Fullerton was my dream. I mean, that was uh, I mean, kid on you know Christmas morning, every day that I had had that scholarship, uh-huh. um, and walking away from that, it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It was tough, but it was, uh, it was something that I felt like I had to do mm-hmm. uh, for myself, not necessarily to, to continue my baseball career or help my baseball career out, mm-hmm. but mentally for me, uh-huh. um, I had to do that. So I don't know if you've ever heard of, uh, heard of the yips, um, in baseball, you got Chuck Knobloch, you got Rick Uh Ankeel, um, plenty of guys that, Mm -hmm. that you can go down the line and they've had the yips. I mean, there's guys that have made it back to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, Tyler Matzik just last year won a world series Mm -hmm. and came back from it. Um, but it is, it is something that I suffered from Mm -hmm. at Fullerton Mm-hmm. I got to the point that, and I and based on these, these things, I, I was probably a 10 out of 10 case. I was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't throw a baseball 20 feet to save my life. Uh, I throw it straight into the ground, straight overheads. It was, it was kind of, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. And it just came on after one throw, you know, I was throwing in the middle of an inner squad game, throwing the ball back to a pitcher and it just like, that that easy task mm-hmm. just left my body. It was yeah. it was gone. So it it became this like mental fight.
1: Yeah, and that's
0: when baseball started becoming this like it was a fight every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I I don't know if I can sit here and talk about a, another podcast on here, but I just got done oh, listening yeah, of listening to Losing Control. Okay, um, it's a podcast. It's from Sports Illustrated, and it's all about the yips. Yeah. And you know, it goes into the twisties with gymnasts and all that. Uh And yeah, you just, you just kind of lose it. It's something I've done every day of my life for the past five or six years Mm -hmm. and I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I tried everything and I'm the guy that just, as I said before, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to run my head through a brick wall. So my girlfriend at the time, Mm she was a softball player. Mm -hmm. I would take her out and we would, we would just play catch Uh on my days off. And that was all I was focused on Uh was just getting that right. So I lost track of, of hitting. I lost track of everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I would work out only when we would work out with the team. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do anything extra. Mm -hmm. And it was all focused on this one thing. I mean, I was doing different things of sleeping different ways um, trying to get more sleep. I thought it was this mental health, like this, this yeah. condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, it, it can be attributed to mental health, but the more I've done and the more research I've done, it's more of a neurological thing. You, your brain just stops clicking in that, that way. It just loses that, that yes. pathway of uh-huh. doing that thing you've done. I mean, as a, as a highly competent, high level athlete, and just yeah. lost it at that time. I mean, it was man up, you know, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I told my dad, like I, I told him, I was like, hey man, like I I, I don't even want to be out there right now. Mm-hmm. I can't throw the ball back to the pitcher. And I felt so bad. And I felt like like a failure telling him this
3: mm-hmm. and like
0: actually exposing myself because I tried working through it so much. Mm-hmm. And so doing so many different things. And it just got to the point. I'm like, I need help. Yeah. Like I need, I need more than just you sitting here telling me it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and our, our relationship started to, to kind of go in different directions because of this, mm-hmm. because I, I was like, no dad, like, this is where you need to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like I've listened to you up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went and talked to my, my the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently retired. I sat down in his office mm-hmm. in tears, like, Hey, I don't know what to do. Um, and we had, I, I forget his name, but we had access to one of the, the top mental health coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had recently passed, but one of the top mental health coaches, um, taught at uh, Cal oh, state Fullerton. Okay. And, and sports sports, mental health and, and, I I was hesitant to be like, Hey, can I, can, can I go meet with him or like, can we get him in here to help me? Yeah. Um, I was hoping that it would be like offered to me Mm -hmm. and my head coach, he kind of went through a story of him having the same issue, driving, driving to to work every day Mm -hmm. of it. Just like just having that anxiety. And I'm like, well, this is, this is past anxiety. Like, this Mm -hmm. is just like, you know, I need, I need help. And again, it just, all I was met with was just don't think about it. Mm. Like, just don't think about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, in addition to that, there were some things that were going on there that I felt like they just lost, lost sight of me. And oh. now I understand why, because heck I was, I was in a far off land myself. Mm. So for me, it, it came down to that. It was like, this is something I hadn't experienced. Yeah. Um, And then now I I look back and there were, I think two other guys on that team that I was on at Fullerton Mm -hmm. that were experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Going through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Couldn't, couldn't throw a baseball 10, 20 feet. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of them made the, made, made the big leagues and he, uh, he was a DH and he rarely played the outfield because he's like, And you could see, like his his splits of him when he played the outfield to him when he DH'd, it was completely different Mm. Um, because you're you're focused on one thing and one thing only when you're out there, and you have this this condition that you're you're going through. But I felt like my needs weren't being met. Like I I felt like I wasn't being heard. Yeah. Um, And nowadays, I think something like that, me going and talking to somebody,
1: yeah,
0: it would be it would be met. It it would be heard. There would be things to things to do. I've actually worked with a kid mm-hmm. um, who's going through the same thing and in, in Utah and yeah. I had a, we sat down and we talked about it Yeah, and it's okay. I mean, and, and anybody that's listening to this, it's yeah. it's okay. I mean, and it, it could be anything that you do. Mm-hmm. It could be driving to work. You just get this like overarching fear of like, I can't do it yeah. or like, it, you know,
3: Yeah.
0: little things like that, but it's okay. And, and, That's when I had to, I had to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I had to go somewhere else. I had to leave. Yeah. So
2: no, thanks so much for sharing that. And I mean, it's good to hear that experience because I think like you said, especially, you know, when we look back to 10, 15 years ago, I think the way that it was handled, you know, it was exactly what you've experienced. Like there wasn't too much awareness or what's the best tools for this kind of condition. It was kind of just like, Maybe you just lost the skill, but that's not true. Right. So kind of explain a little bit more like, well, how long was that like one whole season that you kind of had that? Was it longer than a season? Did you have to get over it more through the juco season or what was the timeline of like, what do you think, how you kind of overcame that?
0: So I'll be honest. I I don't think I've overcome overcome it yet. Okay. Any, I've picked up baseballs and played catch with people. I mean, over the past like five years, okay, and it's not that it's flying all over the place, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that, that it's there in my head that it's like okay. now, as soon as you get ninety feet or further, I mean, I'm I can hit somebody square in the nose every mm-hmm. single time,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: then that's that's where I see a a difference. Is like, uh. I mean, I was as accurate at I think it's 120 feet to second base mm-hmm. as anybody. I could mm-hmm. put it right on the bag every single time, but back to the pitcher guy might be grabbing it from his feet to yeah. jumping overhead. Got it. Um, and now, yeah, I, I, still, there's days I watch baseball, um, mostly in person mm-hmm. and I still feel my hands kind of clamming up
3: mm. and I
0: still have a little bit of that, like, I guess fear yeah. that, and, and still not completely withdrawn that, I don't have to go do that anymore. Mm, like, that yeah. doesn't have to happen. Yes. But there's a part of me that's like, I want to go do that. I want to, I want that mm. to happen because I want to show myself that yes, I, I have overcome this, uh-huh. but I mean, I played the Ju- Juco season. Okay. And I just, I mean, I caught, I, I was a catcher for that team too. And I, okay. I, I don't know how I did it, but I got, I got through it. I, I think I just needed to take a step back Mm-hmm. Um, now it wasn't pretty. You see a lot of the catchers that might be going through it. They're just lobbing it back to the pitcher. Mm-hmm. And that was me. I mean, I was just, just lobbing it back to the pitcher, but I was getting it there. I was getting the job uh, done. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and again, it, it, you know, anything past the pitcher and I was, I mean, I was money. It was,
3: yeah.
0: like, I mean, nobody could run on me. I was backpicking guys. I was, I mean, okay. any throw that needed to be made, I was making it. Yeah. Um, except for that, that
2: one. Throwing it is, back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got it. Uh, that's no, yeah. that's interesting to hear. And then, so what would you say, like at that point in time, I mean, obviously that was a big part of it, right? Because as a catcher, you know, that's what you got to do majority of the time, right? So mm-hmm. it's something that, yeah, the anxiety of it, or, you know, the fear of throwing it back to the pitcher and all of that, did that last? Cause even after Juco, you went on to play a little bit more baseball. Yes. 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 So kind of explain what, how did this change even, I guess your passion for the game of baseball and what was kind of, where were you at, you know, mentally, physically, um, as you kind of played the rest of your career?
0: So um, physically, again, when I came back from that shoulder injury, it was a Juco Mm -hmm. and physically I was the best I'd been. I mean, I was, I mean, talking to scouts, almost on a daily basis. God. I was playing juco ball in Georgia. So I was talking to coaches from okay. pretty much most of the, most of the Southern schools Okay, really wanted to play in the sec. Okay, uh, Had a good rapport built with Georgia mm-hmm. when I was there. So physically I was, I was great. And mentally I was back to that, like type a, Okay. Tight A personality. I was back to having confidence and and I built confidence back up. Almost maybe too much. I mean, I, I became a like I, I became talk like I talked a lot. And I would like dare guys to to run on me and I would you know, I was I was kind of a boisterous uh-huh. boisterous uh player at that point. And okay. um but it was fun. Uh-huh. Baseball was fun again for me okay and and mentally and physically i was I was like, all right, this is it i, I whether I play college mm-hmm.
3: uh,
0: like great, but uh-huh. I might want to go just play professional baseball at this point okay um and that was that was a definite possibility got it, so I was back, and then it was one throw, one throw um, um changed all of that yes, and we were actually at uh this was the day I was most likely going to commit to Georgia. Um, and I had actually like Vanderbilt out watching me. And I had a, I had a bunch of SEC schools and we were at I the University of Georgia a playing, a, okay. yeah, playing a game okay. and uh, warming up infield, outfield. And I was coming up to throw to second for, for one of the
1: uh-huh.
0: yep. uh, throws we had to make. And boom. It's like a bomb went off in my elbow, yeah. Uh, and it it just—I knew it right away, right away. I was like, "This is this is not good," because uh, it's a pain that I'd never felt yeah. before, yeah. Uh, and ended up finishing infield outfield, so I, I worked through it there. Got it. Okay. Um, because I knew these teams were out there watching, so I'm like, I can't just, I can't, they can't just not yeah. play me. Yeah. Um, so I knew I had to play mm-hmm. and I knew I had to play through, through whatever I was feeling.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they took me out from catching by like the fifth or sixth inning. So it was just, a, it was just an inner squad game okay. with another, another school. And we played like 15 or 20 innings that night. Okay. Um, so they took me out like the fifth or sixth inning. And, uh, by the time I was out, my elbow had swollen up to yeah. the size of a softball. Yeah. Uh, and it was just completely, it, it was not good. And you can see the looks on people's faces that, yeah, there was some significant damage in there. Um, so I, I just iced it and I took two or three weeks off of throwing. Okay. And when I came back, it same pain Yeah. and I was like, all right, I'm going to take another month off of throwing
3: Mm
0: -hmm. and back same pain. Got it. Um, and eventually I just said, "Screw it! I'm gonna just throw through this, mm. I'm gonna throw through this pain." And I played uh, what half to three quarters of our our actual season. Okay. With my elbow just in sheer pain, uh, I wasn't I wasn't the player that I was in the fall. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a type A, like run on me. I dare you. Yeah. It wasn't there. I didn't throw anybody out that year. Yeah. I was struggling behind the plate to, to even just function as a, a, a catcher. And it took a lot of the the pressure off of me as far as the throwing the ball back. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I had a, I had a, a reason if something
3: yeah.
1: were to
0: well. occur, if, if I were to revert back to that, that yibs. Mm-hmm. So it gave me that, that, okay, well my elbow is hurting and yeah, kind of took my mind off of everything okay. else. So I played and then I eventually got it. MRI and by one of the, the top, uh, surgeons in the, in the country, James Andrews. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he's like, man, you've got a full tear of your, of your UCL. Yeah. He's like, and it is like, it has been, it's been a while. Yeah. since you you've had this tear because it is, I don't know if you use the word diseased, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it's pretty well degenerated in there. hmm so he goes, I don't know how you've been doing what you're doing. Yeah. And literally the day after I had that MRI, I got it got it replaced. Okay. Uh, and that was, that was another, another long dirty, yeah. journey back. And that was it for me when that, that throw happens. Like my, my baseball career was over. Yeah. Mentally, my baseball career was over. I didn't, didn't give myself a chance to, to really come back. You know, I, I just, I'd felt and the, the game never owes anybody anything, and that's that's what you'll you'll realize
3: mm-hmm.
0: playing in. But it's like the game just it just kept like yeah kicking me, kept kicking me, and then I'd be down and kick me more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was that, and I just never was the same. Working out wasn't a thing for me anymore. It was just I think back to my my times after that, and I, I think I. I was filling pants out that I probably should not have been filling out. So uh, I was probably a little overweight (laughs) when I came back from my Tommy John.
2: Got it. So let's backtrack a little bit, but no, thanks for sharing that. And that's definitely a lot of hard times and things that you had to overcome. And so timeline wise, like when you were experiencing like the first kind of case of the yips, you were still at Fullerton then. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Was
2: that before your shoulder popped out or after before oh so it before. was even before that yeah. and then your shoulder popped out so when you injured your elbow your ucl how far out would you say that was from the shoulder
0: subluxation i'd say like a, exactly a year okay okay probably exactly it was both done they both happened in the fall got it um, got it yeah so i'd say it was in exactly one year
2: got it and then after that I mean, you tore your UCL, and I mean, just to even continue that game, um, but even continue like a whole nother season, right? Almost a whole nother season. What was that like for you? Obviously you're playing, right? But like you said, velocity had to have gone down. Like the pain was just, you know, every single time you threw, basically, how was your performance, I guess, compared to what you're used to playing? Like,
0: I mean, it, it, it lacked, Mm -hmm. Um, I can't, I don't think, I I think I became a different player, um, and a different person in that, like it was, it hurt to do everything to hit, to throw, you know, everything kind of took a, took a toll. And again, I stopped working out very much. Um, and at that point, like I hadn't really drank alcohol or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything like that in the past. And I started to kind of yeah. to kind of drink with the guys. And I started to kind of get into that and just to kind of, from what I was thinking, take my mind off of it. Mm. Um, so I think as far as all that goes, I became sloppy. I became a very, uh, I mean, back in high school and before high school, even my freshman year at Fullerton, mm. I was a very regimented, Mm. like person. I, I had these high standards for myself and I had to meet those standards Yes. where at that point, when that happens, I would just kind of, you know what, I'm going to throw it all out the, throw it all out the window. And that's it. I mean, I, I rehabbed my elbow
3: Mm -hmm.
0: a little bit there in Georgia and a little bit in, in Las Vegas.
3: Okay.
0: And, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I did some working out at the, the rehab clinic there.
1: Okay.
0: And now, I mean, I just never, yeah, never felt the same. It didn't feel right going on, like being on a baseball field anymore. I felt actually at that point, I felt more comfortable just working out, just being in a mm-hmm. gym. Yeah. And, you know, like that was more fun to me than, than going and putting the uniform on.
2: Yeah. So during know? those two, maybe like two seasons, right. Two years. A lot mm-hmm. of it, yeah, weren't you weren't working out like how you're normally used to. A lot of rehab, right? Things just to manage kind of the elbow injury, shoulder um, injury too before that. So mm-hmm. talk about like after that, once you started to get back to like health, right? The elbow started to heal a little better. Typically, people recover very well from Tommy John surgery. So kind of talk about how did that spark your interest again? into working out and where were you at after the Tommy John recovery?
0: So after the Tommy John recovery, my, I mean, I came back, I'd say a hundred percent physically.
3: Okay.
0: Um, but yeah, the mental part of it, that was not, I was not all there. Uh, I was not, I mean, I was receiving a scholarship at UNR and that's the only thing that kept me okay. or at University of Nevada Reno. And that was the only thing that kept me going, going out there every day. Got it. Um, guaranteed. If I was a walk-on, if I was somebody that was getting a minimal scholarship, mm-hmm. I would have probably just walked away. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I hit this, hit the field in the fall and realized, oh man, I don't, I don't have it at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was bad. The ball didn't jump off my bat the way it used to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I basically. Halfway through that season, I I stepped away. I Got it. I gave it up. Mm-hmm. I went into the the coach's office and it's like this is it. I'm hanging them up and stepped away from the game for mm-hmm. probably two or three months. Got it. Um, and just completely withdrew myself. And I think I think that was that was necessary mm-hmm. um, to kind of get myself back in. Not only like good mental but you know getting back into physically Mm -hmm. like physically my body like working out i mean i I started getting in the gym with our pitching coach Um, he was a big guy he's six three, two hundred and fifty 6'3 250 pounds so he was in there just like lifting heavy weights and that's what i started doing with him got it um and i i enjoyed it uh so i mean it was like I mean, that's the only time I think I've ever gotten to where I could bench press 300 pounds. Got it. Um, and I was getting big. I was
1: It's
0: get- <laughs> yeah. probably getting too big for my, <laughs> my frame. Well, yeah. yeah, I went back that my fourth year in college and I actually was a, I was an assistant coach with the team. Okay. They let me back. Um, and I was a bullpen coach and I worked with a lot of the freshmen and, and helping them with their transition um, Got it. to college. Um, and I think that was a great experience for me, and, and I still mm-hmm. see myself um, now doing some of the things that I did then, and taking guys under my wing and talking to them. We actually had a kid there mm-hmm. um, that was going through the yips, mm-hmm. and he's a freshman, <clears throat> and it was just being able to sit down and talk with him mm-hmm. and just explain to him, "Hey, you're okay, man. Like yeah. you're not okay, but I'm here. Like I've done it. I've been there. I'm still yeah. feeling.
3: It. Yeah,
0: you know, like." You're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that helped them out a lot. Uh, and I, I think just getting away from the game it made me made me have a passion for it even more.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and coaching was was something that I wish I would have gone down that route. Uh-huh. Um, but that's a really tough route to, to go down, is, especially yeah. after experiencing the the heartbreak that I had experienced uh-huh. up to that point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, there's but, so many great things that you're sharing and you know like i think everyone's journey it helps you to kind of do what you're meant to do like all of these twists and turns right they were unexpected definitely not easy to go through um one thing that i forgot to kind of ask was that you mentioned a lot about you know just throwing back to the picture right but all this time i mean minus the injury kind of caused you're hitting to go down all this time you were hitting right and Mm -hmm. was that something that was more enjoyable in baseball or was that something that was still a struggle like were you in a slump and things with hitting
0: yeah i mean it is it it affected my hitting still i mean being a right handed hitter with with yeah little support in that right elbow Mm -hmm. um i would leave some hitting sessions with my elbow being yeah being completely swollen yeah so it did affected my hitting, and then I think the biggest thing that affected my hitting was just I mean, I don't know if it was depression or, or what. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was something that I just kept to myself yeah. um, at that time because I knew what I experienced before, mm-hmm. but i, I kind of let myself let myself go again. I was talking like I was filling pants out that mm-hmm. I mean it just they, I'd never filled pants out like that before, like size 36 thirty mm-hmm. 36 waist. Mm-hmm. feeling filling those kind of pants out and mm-hmm. so i was letting myself go
3: yeah
0: um and with that and in addition to all the other injuries mm-hmm. just my hitting just went downhill
1: yeah
0: uh it, it just that wasn't as quick my hands were slow i mean we're facing guys throwing like you know 90 and it, yeah. it, it should be fairly you know good or fun to hit that yeah and it was just being blown right by me huh. where I, I look back at, at Fullerton. And I mean, that was the last time that I really felt comfortable hitting. And I just, you know, God. I was, I was able to, to get into roles there. Yeah. Um, hitting just, it wasn't fun. It God. was not fun for me anymore.
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, you kind of decided to hang it up, retire. Right. And yeah. I know for you, that's hard, not only going through all of those obstacles and, you know, adversity, but also there were points that you fully aspired to be a professional baseball player. Right. Mm-hmm. So now after kind of that's over, cause I think this is common for a lot of athletes, right? Maybe due to things out of their control, things happen. And then they're forced into like, they're not given the opportunity to play at higher levels or professionally. Right. So yeah. talk about briefly, like how did all of this kind of shift into becoming a firefighter or figuring out what am I going to do after baseball?
0: Oh, I, I feel like, so I became a firefighter in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, that road to figuring out what I'm going to do with my life. Uh That's when it like, that's when that road came to an end Mm -hmm. was 2019 because I've, I've held different jobs from in all different aspects up until that point.
3: Okay.
0: And nothing really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I was a coach. I chased money, um, being an insurance salesman instead of continuing my coaching career. So I was, I was asked to continue my coaching career. I -hmm. was given the opportunity and I turned it down because it was, it was more of a volunteer position that I wasn't going to get paid. So I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I want to start making money. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, my dad is, is an in insurance and has been for years. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting into it and selling insurance. And okay. for me, that was kind of fueled a little bit of the competitive aspect of things. I okay. like, I have numbers that I, that I want to see, like the, if I want to see my paycheck higher, I, I have to work harder.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and it kind of got me back into that, but all, also it was me sitting down at a desk all day. Uh-huh. Um, it was me being um, inactive Mm-hmm. And uh, I I I look at pictures of myself back then, and uh, I got I got really fat. <laughs> I was weighing like two hundred and something pounds, um, okay. and it, it 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 was a lot attributed a lot to that, just not knowing what what I wanted to do, what the next step was for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually got a promotion, I guess it was a promotion, but I applied to a job with corporate all state insurance. Okay. It moved me to central Louisiana. Okay. Um, and when I say central Louisiana, I don't think you can name any cities <laughs> in central Louisiana. Um, it was a little town of Alexandria and I, I worked with 20 to 30 insurance agents there um, and just processes, how to implement processes, how to, Use technology, so it was a pretty pretty good upgrade to what I had. But I'm living in this small town, uh, Alexandria, uh-huh. and I had to look it up on a map. And it is, it's an interesting place. It's the Bible Belt, so there were a lot of things there. Moving from Vegas, that I'm like, oh, this is this isn't even what Georgia was like. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: But the reason I bring up that move was because it surrounded me with people that. Brought that, that focused me back in. Mm-hmm. Um, it surrounded me with uh, two people that I still contact to the, this day mm-hmm. and still speak with this day that, that just changed my viewpoint on life. And I was going through a breakup in addition to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was, I was overweight for what my past had been, like uh-huh. my very physical, yeah. very active past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still look at pictures of myself I'm like, man, I don't want that to happen again. Mm -hmm. So this, one of my coworkers, he's like, Hey man, you're going through a rough patch. Mm -hmm. He he was a mentor for me. He's like, Hey, you need to find something. You need to make a change in life. Mm -hmm. One change. You have 24 hours. Well, that change for me was, was going into a CrossFit gym. Okay. Um, That change for me was going to the local CrossFit gym there in, in Alexandria man, the rest is history after that. I, Uh I really, I drank the Kool-Aid if, if people, (laughs) if you believe in the Uh Kool-Aid. So that's where my, my fitness journey went was down the the CrossFit rabbit hole. And, you know, I kind of took to it. I I had to relearn all the lifts. Uh Um, Everything was a little bit, I say a little bit, very, very sketchy. Um, especially for CrossFit standards and doing uh-huh. things as much as, as I wouldn't say out of control. It's not, it doesn't have to be out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch CrossFit CrossFitters and people doing CrossFit and, and it, a lot of it, a lot of times it looks out of control and it doesn't have to be that way. That is in my eyes, bad coaching. Uh-huh. Um, that is bad. Just not, not implementing the right things early on. Um, well, that was where the gym that I went to, they, they made me slow down Uh and I was not lifting a barbell and and workouts right away. Uh Um, I was getting everything back. All my, all my skills that I had learned when I was 12 Mm -hmm. and I had done all this stuff. So I was like, Oh yeah, I've done this before. And it it wasn't, it was not refined.
3: Uh
0: Um, so yeah, that was my, that, that was my journey. Um, I guess into CrossFit. I got into CrossFit coaching. I've done, I mean, I'm sorry I'm straying off a little bit. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) um, Heck, I've I've driven Uber. I've done that full time. Okay. Um, I did that in New Orleans and made a good living doing that. Man, I've distilled alcohol. Okay. So that was my most recent job that I had taken. Okay and i'd done a really good job i won awards i yeah. uh took on a head distiller job here in in hawaii that's that's kind of why what i started doing when i moved here ah. uh, so i brewed at honolulu beer works and then okay. i eventually made my way up to uh kohana rum up in kunia okay and uh yeah i, I was the head distiller up there for probably six months okay and uh that's when fire kind of came. And I was like, you know what? Got this it. is it. This is my opportunity to get back. Not only like camaraderie and being, being with a group, a team, but helping people. Yeah. So it kind of implemented all the great things that I'd done up to that point and then customer service and just, and being that person that people can can count on. Yeah. Um. But also being something that it holds me accountable and it gives me a reason to work out and it gives me a reason to like push myself. Like I want to. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: and that's where fire came in. And um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be moving here soon, yes. uh, but I'm still going to be a firefighter. Uh-huh. And uh, that that'll probably be, you know, the next 20, you 20, know, yeah, 20 years um, yeah. until I, retire and uh open my own distillery (laughs) yeah yeah no that's
2: great to hear and like you said all of these previous experiences they've kind of helping you it's everything that you want in firefighting right let's backtrack a little bit i won't keep you too much longer but when did you when what what year was that when you first started crossfit oh man
0: 20 2012 or 2013 okay Okay, so i've been doing it a
2: while yeah it's been a while and Like you said, you know, there's so many things with CrossFit that, you know, you kind of use all of your previous workout experience, baseball experience yeah. that it's going to come together. And then there's a lot of philosophies and theories out there that like, we have windows of like physical development throughout our childhood. So like just you going to the personal trainer at 12, you know, through high school and doing all these balanced things, even though, yeah, we need to kind of re- brush off the rust a little bit and get used to those movements again just the fact that you had all of that exercise background athletic background that is probably helping you a lot with you know picking up crossfit and doing all of these things today too so that's something that all of these things play a part in your journey that comes together at the end and like you said for firefighting you need to be physically fit you need to be able to people definitely need to count on you right you don't know what types of Situations you're going to be put in, right? Not only mentally, but physically, right? So all of that is great to hear. I do want to touch on a little bit because, you know, we've heard uh, bits and pieces of your workout experience, exercise experience and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about just firefighters in general because I shared with you, I know firefighters too. And then, you know, just strength and conditioning and what they're doing to keep their body fit and everything. What are some things that you think will help these kind of professionals, because it's very, it doesn't always have to be, and it might not always be physically demanding. But when you have to respond to an emergency, you never know what types of things you're going to have to do. And the training outside of those emergent situations, right, that's going to really help you to prepare your body to make sure that you can do this safely and be, you know, someone that they can count on, right, whoever, whoever needs your help. So talk a little bit about that kind of how your training has complemented what you need to do as a firefighter. And also like, what do you think would help more firefighters maybe even starting off in their career? What would help them to kind of have a good approach with strength and conditioning?
0: So, I, I mean, I know CrossFit gets a bad rap, but I mean, that's where I would start. And again, it, it comes back to just doing things the right way.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's, I mean, I really haven't been in a CrossFit gym since I started um, with fire. And it's because of that Um, it's because that, that has not, that was not a priority in the places I had been up to this Mm -hmm. point Um, in in terms of just let's make sure we're doing things right first Mm -hmm. um, rather than focusing on the the outcome. Um, So it's a process. I mean, I know that's cliche and that's very canned, but with CrossFit, Uh it really has to be or else injury. and, And I mean, it's, very prevalent in yep. CrossFit. And that's why is because people are focused on the outcome. Mm-hmm. They're focused on the weight, the number at, at the bottom line, mm-hmm. the fact that they do these workouts at, at a prescribed weight yep. and a prescribed movement. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, not having been in a CrossFit gym in three years, but mm-hmm. still doing variations of it and my own thing. Uh, I would go back into a CrossFit gym, and I'd scale probably the first week or two of me being back in in a CrossFit gym.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's just it's being smart.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but CrossFit, what it what it kind of relays or uh, helps with firefighting is that unknown. Yeah, um, is the unknown of a how you're going to feel in a certain workout, a certain situation, mm-hmm. how the workout or how the movements are going to make each other feel. Because that's one thing I've learned is. The opposing movements. You don't have to do much to yeah. really get mm. get your butt kicked with mm. those opposing mm. movements. So it, it, that's a great start. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't even need to be lifting weights. I mean, yeah. pushing push ups and pull ups. Yeah, yeah. Figure out how you can implement those two movements yeah. with maybe a, an air squat into a workout. Yeah. And you know what? You're you're gonna feel like that push and that pull are gonna really work against each other. No. Uh, and then your legs are going to get crushed because you're going to have to use your legs in some way no. to keep yourself strong on the pushup. No. So again, it's the unknown of, of CrossFit. It's the, the different workouts. It's that you can have something different thrown at you each day,
3: mm-hmm.
0: whether that's running a 5k to, yeah, you might, you might end up doing a, what a grace or a Fran or whatever the, mm-hmm. they're, I forget the names yeah. now. I mean. Uh, where you're lifting, you're doing 30 snatches, uh-huh. um, for time,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it, it's all, all different, mm-hmm. but I mean, in addition to that, it is, it is getting in situations that make yourself uncomfortable.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, again, CrossFit uncomfortable, but you're also having to count. You're also having to like, keep track of things yeah. like, and keep track of your body yeah. when you're doing this workout. Yeah. So it's it's very similar to firefighting, where you're going into you know into something into a situation you don't know about, and when you're in that situation, you're having to be do physically taxing things, mm-hmm. but you're also having to think in the process. Yeah. You can't just let your mind go blank, yeah. um, because that's when people like, that's when something around you just uh, yep. you know, the unknown really takes hold.
2: Yes. No. And that's that's great yeah. to hear. And just briefly is how's the elbow and the shoulder and it's everything's good. You're staying strong. And for the yeah. most part, you can do everything that you want to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have my, I have my aches and pains, um, yeah. but I attributed that to, to, I mean, hours of batting cage time, mm. the working out I did when I was young, The it was kind of a uh, out of control in, in some aspects, I no business doing those 400 pound squats <laughs> when I was, 14 15 yes.
2: but even to this day you and anisa i mean you guys are beasts when you work out and you know only a few more questions but oh yeah, do yeah. you ever uh take do you ever participate in anisa's workouts and does she ever try to do what you do as workouts or is that something that no it won't end too, end too well let's do our um, own stuff
0: so Anissa, she she looks at some of the stuff i do and she's like that. I'm not gonna more so than I do her. Um, oh, got it. With with her, the, you know, her running a half marathon, like great. Uh, I mean, I've done it, and I've been freaking laying in bed for like a day afterwards because <laughs> that is where that is where the the line is drawn for me uh-huh. in terms of that's what my body my body just can't take that pounding anymore. Yeah. You know, the hips and then. I do think there's a little degeneration going on. I mean, being a catcher, there's a little degeneration going on in in certain parts of my body that, I mean, it it makes a half marathon difficult, Um, but I, not to say I haven't done it.
2: (laughs) Did you ever go prone paddling? Yes. Yes, Yeah. She brought
0: me out. She brought me out to prone paddle. Yes. And it actually, the shoulder held up. Nice. The elbow's not even an issue anymore. Yeah, it's more the shoulder. But yeah, she had me do a Hawaii kai run. Okay, I actually did like three of them. Okay, um, one of them during in conditions that <laughs> I was very uncomfortable with, but uh-huh. I ended up making it through and uh, and probably one of my faster times. But she she taught me everything with the whole prone paddling. I mean, okay. how to catch uh, bumps and yeah. and all that. I like so. She, I mean, I'm a fish out of water. I moved here, and and in order to be a firefighter here, you have to yeah. swim.
1: Uh huh.
0: I didn't know how to swim. Got it. So I spent every day in a pool for yeah. for like two or three months before that swim test. Okay. But I didn't. I didn't. So me being out like on a prone paddleboard yeah. in the middle of the ocean,
1: yeah,
0: where there's really no way to get get off. Yeah. No yeah. to get off. You really just have to finish.
1: Yeah.
0: Um man, I like that is leaving here. That is one thing that I'm going to hang my yeah. hat on that, that yeah. I, that I went from being a fish out of water to, Hey, yeah. I've i been out in some crazy yeah. like, Hawaii open water swells.
2: Yeah. With, uh, that's that's yeah. good to hear. I mean, yeah. And I'm glad you guys can share activities and you guys are both really active, obviously overcoming different types of injuries, but I think, you know, just, doing the right things, focusing on technique, getting all of these small muscles working, you know, just helping you to progress back into activities. That's the main thing. The last question that I had for you was that, you know, if you had any piece of advice, I know you worked with athletes that have had these mental health challenges, but if you had any advice, what would you say to anybody that might be going through something like doesn't have to necessarily be the yips, but any type of mental health challenge, whether that's in their sport, outside of sports, whatever it is, what kind of things would you recommend or just share some words of wisdom?
0: Uh, I mean, be open, mm-hmm. be honest, not, not only, I mean, with yourself, but if find somebody to, to talk to, you know, even if that's just seeking out a, a, a counselor, somebody to, mm-hmm. to just, Kind of find the root cause of maybe what you're feeling or how you're feeling, yep. but don't don't hold it in it's not that's not something that needs to be done these days. yeah, and you hear about it all the time um guys coming out, you know the guy that I played with at Fullerton he had an article written mm-hmm. um in one of one of the sports publications about about his battle with the yibs
3: mm-hmm.
0: um and how he not necessarily overcame it but or how how he deals with it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming mainstream that it's okay to talk. I, I mean, don't, don't hold it in. There are other people going out, like going through the same things. If I would have known that at Fullerton, when I was there, mm-hmm. it would have made me feel better. Yeah. It would have made me feel better. And it made me feel like, you know what? I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would probably ended up staying, mm-hmm. having that, having that common, I guess, issue with, with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's okay. There's people that this is what they do now. Yes. Um, they, they do the mental side of things. They're, that's their, that's their job and they're there to help you out with it. And it's, it's all over the place. You're not doing anything wrong. You don't want to blame, you know, don't blame yourself. Yep. I was there. I blame myself. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was weak. Um, and I, I told Anissa, you know, like, a lot of the things that I do now um, or to prove myself that I'm not weak,
3: <laughs> you
0: know, like I, it's to prove myself that, you know, that, that I still have a little bit of that, that feeling like I was weak in that situation. Um, I was weak in, in not being able to overcome that. And ultimately I think that's what derailed my baseball career, but yeah, you're not weak. You're not, I mean, I, I have my own, like, that's why I go do Cocoa Head at times, like three times in one, yeah, one trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why I go do those kind of things. It's mm-hmm. because it's to prove to myself that you know, mentally I might not want to do this, but mm-hmm. you know, physically you're you're able to do everything. You're able to do anything and you're physically able to overcome anything
2: mm-hmm. if
0: that's what you're dealing with. So yeah, I mean yeah. just be open,
2: like, yes. talk, communicate. Yes. No, thanks for all of that information. Thanks for sharing all of that too, because I know a lot of people listening out there can, you know, take a lot of great things away from this. And even if it's just hearing, maybe you're not personally going through the yips or mental struggles, but even just you being more empathetic to those that are, and then, you know, helping them through that journey, because like you said, it's, it's so well known now that, or not well known, but there's a lot more resources, I think now People are speaking out a lot more. So, it is something that's, there's more awareness around. So, I think sharing all of this, this is great information for a lot of people that will, you know, help make the journey a little bit more positive along the way to overcome these issues or these struggles. Right. But overall, I mean, I don't want to keep you too long. This is great conversation. We can, I could talk a lot more about the strength and conditioning, which we yeah. didn't get to touch on oh, all I, of it. I know. But, right. <laughs> but maybe one day in the future, we'll have to jump on yeah. another episode. But, For everyone out there, I mean, you're doing a lot of great things. And I think it's good to see that you found your passion in your career. And, you know, we, I wish you the best in whatever Mm -hmm. you guys do in the future. And then moving to a new, new place, but still being a firefighter. I think that's exciting for you. You get to see a different scenery. So that should be exciting and fun,
0: but overall, any last words? I mean, I I appreciate you having me on it. I could, I could go on for hours. I mean, (laughs) I feel like I ran a little bit, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I think you know, follow your passion, um, whatever that is. If that isn't happening now, it's gonna happen down down the line. I know we live in a world that uh is very uh, like very. I want it now, um, but I can I can attest that I stopped playing baseball at uh in twenty eleven twenty yeah twenty eleven, and here and it took me eight years eight mm-hmm. years to figure out um what i want my my career to be um and that's okay i mean there's there's nothing wrong with just hustling and trying to get by and and figuring it out and uh along the way not only looking at you know worrying about your career but worrying about yourself mm-hmm. and uh keeping yourself physically fit and active and uh doing all the the things um, necessary to just you know, be happy with what you're seeing in the mirror every day.
2: (laughs) Yes. Great messages. And I mean, thanks so much for sharing all of your experiences and stories and thanks so much for joining me today, but good luck with everything. I know you have a stressful (laughs) transition coming up, but I hope that it becomes very enjoyable and it's everything that you want in the next move, but thanks so much for joining me, Cody.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.